Hello, you're listening to Notes. Today on the show, Tally reads five notes from her phone, and I'm super excited for this one because I think it came out really good. Um, Tally is a musician here in New York City. She's a part of a band called Cardboard Rocket Ship. Go check them out. And when you, and when you do that, checking out Cardboard Rocket Ship, you can probably find out more information about her. Tally, she plays the this big, what's the big uh, violin? The cello. Um, she plays that thing. And it's very cool. Don't forget to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps the show out. And this podcast is brought to you by Blue Apron. I'm kidding. No, it's not. <laughs> I don't have a sponsor. Um, <laughs> farm Fresh meals delivered straight to your door. I'm officially a podcaster now. Enjoy the show. <laughs> Number one. April 20th, 2018. Title is Musical. Had a dream in which I was writing a musical about a girl who is supposed to be granted a magic power, but the witch sneezes when she's trying to give it. So instead of being able to fly, she can only levitate a bit off the ground a little at a time. Then she's an apprentice for a jewelry maker, and she falls in love with the jeweler's daughter, realizing her sexuality. And there's a song called It's Almost Like Flying, in which she runs and floats and hops around the jewelry studio discovering this. I really like that idea. <laughs> Thank you. That was the first note. Apparently, I was so struck by that dream that I had to write it down. And I have no ambitions of writing a musical, but... None. <laughs> I love that idea. Why do you think that came to you? Well, I was there had a period of time where I tried a bunch of jobs. And I was a, a jeweler's apprentice for a little bit. So I was like running around the Diamond District for like literally two days. And then I hated it because I was just doing errands in like the armpit of New York city. Yeah. But I guess I must've had that dream when that was happening, right. but I don't know. I, I guess something about it's a little like flying. I guess very poetic. <laughs> <laughs> like flying was what the song was called. Um, so I don't know. Some dream about being like almost at something, but not yeah. quite or something yeah i really like the image of like only being able to fly but like a time like like you're on the moon like you're just floating a little yeah, bit only a little bit i think yeah. sometimes i play a game with friends where we're like what if you could have a superpower but like not all the way like, yeah 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 percent of that superpower yeah <laughs> so maybe it was something like that that's um, so crazy you say that because on the first or second episode of this show that was one of the notes and then somebody else, I just interviewed someone last week and they were like, talk, we were talking about that. This is going to be like a running thing now. Um, That's so interesting. That's a theme for everybody. I know. One of my, one of mine, my favorite one is, uh, what was it? Oh, it was like wherever you would move in the world, you would always have the ability to find the perfect apartment. Like it was always available oh. for you. You know? That's a really good superpower. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I wanted in the past to be able to just like speak whatever language if I was in a foreign place yeah. or just talking to someone who spoke a different language just to be every lingual would be really cool. Number two, October 22nd, 2019. Number one, no pressure to respond in kind. Number two, no pressure, exclamation point, exclamation point. So it looks like I was trying to make a list of steps one through five <laughs> and I only have one and then nothing and then five <laughs> and 
I, this was what was supposed to be like a declaration of feelings towards the person I'm now dating. So that worked. Okay. Um, but I don't know, I guess in points one or points two through four, I was going to come up with like just some admission of feelings, but I wanted to make it very clear. Like you don't have to feel the same way. I'm just going <laughs> to say this. Right, right, right. But all I got was no pressure to respond in kind and then no pressure. <laughs> so, oh. And it yeah. worked out. It worked out. I clearly didn't use this as the like, hey, right. I like you <laughs> right. kind of thing. <laughs> Were you planning on um, sending like an email or something or a letter? Probably a letter. I like sending oh, really? letters. Yeah, I like writing people letters a lot or, or poems. I've... um written and given people poetry that I've written about them often, (laughs) which is kind of an intense move. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So I think I was just, I tend to like, especially if I'm out after a gig, RIP gigs, whenever those happen again, but (laughs) I'm like drinking and out and I've like just seen good music and I'm really inspired. I'm like, you know, you know, there's definitely a layer of like, alcohol so there feels like there's no consequences right i will definitely send people things like that of just like an email or a text or a letter or like i usually write poetry in, in google docs and sometimes i'll just pour yeah. people it's like a bunch of google docs i'm like this is about you <laughs> but here you go and or you forward them the doc yeah That's which cool. is a really intense thing to do <laughs> <laughs> can you would you feel comfortable describing the last time you sent somebody a poem? Yes. Let me think. Um, I, I definitely also sent the person that I'm now dating poetry about them. Um, because sometimes I post it, I post my poetry on my Instagram Mm -hmm. and they were like, would you maybe just send me if there are stuff, if there's stuff about me, would you send it to me first before you put it online? And I was like, that's fair. They say that? Yeah, so I've been doing that. <laughs> They're like, I just want it to like belong to me for a little bit before the world gets it. Right. I mean, that's fair. Um, right. I did once uh, fall for a good friend of mine, and um, my like the way I did that was in a a card, like in a, a birthday card, put all of the poems I had written, <laughs> and it was just um, it was just a matter of bad timing, and it didn't work out, and it it worked out the best for both of us that it didn't work out okay, but okay. that was definitely a situation of like you know yeah, yeah was shoot your successful. shot right i've also <laughs> um sent x's poetry not that like not a bad not anything bad but right, right, like right. looking like i never sent this nice thing i wrote about you you can just have it in case you want it oh <laughs> and okay and i've been like I don't know if that's appropriate, actually. <laughs> uh, you know, people do things. Makes yeah, life more interesting. <laughs> definitely. Like it's, I guess there's something about... Sometimes I just feel like, oh, you inspired this art. You should have it. It kind of belongs to you. Yeah. And I don't know if people, other people necessarily feel that way. But yeah. there's just something like, oh, it might be a shame if you went through your whole life never knowing that, like, you inspired this. Here you go. So I guess that's what that <laughs> comes from. Yeah, that's a really good point. A really good friend of mine is a songwriter and um he like kind of had a crush on this girl like his freshman year of college and then like 
maybe like three or four years later wrote a song like about her but like it was just like inspired by that feeling of like having a crush and stuff or whatever and he was and he played it for her he was like I feel like you should know that I really enjoyed the you know that time we watched Donnie Darko or whatever they did (laughs) when you're a freshman in college (laughs) yeah yeah that's beautiful Mm. yeah that's so nice Mm -hmm. Thank you. I hope it's, you know, it seems so far it's been well received. Nobody's like, mm-hmm. this is really creepy stuff. So. <laughs> <laughs> as long as it continues like that. Yeah. Do you ever, uh, do you ever feel like, um, uh, I don't know. I am trying to describe a thing that a lot of writers have. It's like people in their families and their friends, they know that they could be subjects of the, of this, of the writer's work, you know? Yeah. Do you have you ever yeah. run into that? Um, a friend one time bought me a shirt. It's one of my favorite shirts, and the front says "Don't get too close," and the back says "I'll turn you into poetry." <laughs> so that's awesome. <laughs> I guess there's some level of of recognition. <laughs> <laughs> Number three, May twenty third, twenty nineteen, and it says, "Hold steady and allow yourself to bloom." And that is part of a poem from someone named Young Pueblo. Young spelled Y-U-N-G. And it felt so like, yeah, okay, hold steady and allow yourself to bloom. And I just kept looking at that and like writing it places to Mm. help get that time. And then actually, again, when I was just looking through notes for this, saw it and it felt so appropriate for, for right now too, for this time of like, no one knows what's going on. Right. It's very weird, but all we can do is just, Stay steady, grow in whatever ways you can grow, and right, yeah, right, right. But I, I saw that note and it was like, that's really beautiful. Did I write that? <laughs> <laughs> no, you did not write that. <laughs> Someone else did. Uh, who, who was the, who was the poet? Young Pueblo is his name on oh, okay. Instagram. It's Y U N G underscore Pueblo, and he's like right. a just motivational sort of speaker and stuff as well. But okay. Um, I know. I I guess I didn't credit him in my notes. I just wrote the phrase down. Mm. But yeah, who would, who would you say are some of your go-to poets? Um, ooh, I love Emma Zeck. Is awesome. She okay. Um, okay. And Mary Oliver, who died, sadly, oh, right. was always one of my favorites. I just got her. I just got a book of hers. Actually, I never. Um, oh, it's a poetry handbook. She just ooh. talks about the craft and stuff. Yeah. I mean, I I feel weird because I haven't actually picked up a book of hers yet, but just the way that she talks about it is so beautiful. <laughs> yeah. I, um, it's her where, poem, Wild she... Geese, is famous and probably one of my favorite poems, but um, right. it was a poem I studied in college and was just like, whoa, words can do this. <laughs> oh, Wild Geese. I'm going to write that down. Yeah. Wild Geese. You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert, repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain 
are moving across the landscapes, over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese high in the clean blue air are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination, calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over announcing your place in the family of things. I always really like when I run into someone who likes poetry. Like, what do you, like, what is it? Why? Why poems? <laughs> I, I think um, I've always just kind of processed the world in this very, like, flowery, romantic way. Yeah. And when I was younger, you know, people, like, beat that out of you a little bit when you're too expressive or strange as a kid, you know? <laughs> and. Yeah just getting to read other things where it's like, no, other people think of these moments as like little miracles or they, mm -hmm. they process one emotion with 17 adjectives also. <laughs> like those, or, <laughs> Yeah. So it became this thing of like, no, it's, it's beautiful to think in such sort of grand I don't know how to think in language like that. It's ironic. I'm a yeah. terrible speaker. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, you're not. I, I get it. Are you saying it's like, it's like you have these, re um, uh, Seinfeld described writing jokes, the way he writes jokes as giving an inappropriate amount of attention to things that don't deserve it. I think that's what it was. Yes. It was. Yeah. Know? That's so cool. Yeah. I know. I guess it was just like, the permission to, if a feeling feels really huge, mm -hmm. like why shouldn't it? And to write about, you know, give it a metaphor. Right. Feels like your, your heart feels like an ocean right now. Let it. Like why not? Write that down. You know. Right, right, and, right. Yeah. So I think poetry always felt like a bit of an escape, but also a way of just processing what was happening. Mm -hmm. And so reading poetry. Yeah, it felt like that too. I loved a little glimpse into someone else's brain and someone mm -hmm. else's heart and feeling like, okay, that is what that winter night was for you. I feel like I know this person so much more intimately now after reading that. Number four, on August 4th of 2019. Okay, I hope this is, okay, there's a eating disorder trigger warning, if that's all right. So it, the title is Things That Are Not Dinner. An order of fries, six oysters, three to four old fashions or only alcohol in general, appetizer order of dumplings, side order of collard greens, piece of toast. So that is when, um, when I was in high school, I had like disordered eating habits and, you know, all that. And yeah. then for some reason this past summer, like I was totally fine in college and through most of college and then into adulthood and just like relapsed into things over the past summer. Mm -hmm. And when I was kind of realizing like it, as with anything, it takes a long time for, it took a long time for me to realize it was happening. Cause I was like, no, I'm fine. I haven't done that in, you know, years. Right. And so to kind of realize like, no, I don't think it was like I was, yeah, writing that down was just this helpful thing of like those are those were things I had tried to pass off as like that's the only thing I ate that night, and like I was like yeah I had only six oysters and I was like yeah, I ate dinner that was dinner that was fine 
Oh. And it down to be like, mm, actually, no, that wasn't. That's not right. Good. I'm sorry to hear that. That sucks. Thank you. I mean, it's much better again now. I just had like a weird relapse period. I was just, yeah, like there were a lot of other factors in my life. I think that felt out of my control, mm-hmm. and it be- I just fell back into this like, well, this is a thing I can definitely control. Yeah. yeah, and I don't know, and for me it also gets you, because I'm like a naturally thin person, people talk about me being skinny or me being small as like part of my identity, Yeah, and I think it became, it became a thing of, but this is like a thing I can hold on to that's me, like this is a... Right. Yeah. You wouldn't want to betray that or something. Right, but um, I have a lot of really good support systems and a great therapist. That's and, so good. <laughs> yeah, and all of that, and it got mm-hmm. better... It's it's always helpful for me to view food as like a communal experience or a friend mm-hmm. experience, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, and also it's just not fun to have no energy. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, is um, um, do you remember like when you started realizing like you had a problem, like in high school or this summer? Uh, the first time. The first time, actually, some of my friends and my sisters staged a little intervention, which was really, actually, really helpful. Um, oh, okay. You know, I mean, at, initially, it was I fought it very much and was like, "No, I'm fine." But right. Yeah, yeah, but it was just, and then I just stayed going to like nutritionists and specific therapists and all of that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it was this scary thing to think like, because I thought I was being really sneaky and like good at it I guess Mm -hmm. I thought I like well yeah it just becomes like a a way your brain works and processes and it doesn't feel like a problem or to me normal yeah it totally just felt like this is the way to exist this is the way to be in the world yeah so it's like kind of shocking when people bring it up to you it's Uh, it's shocking when people reveal like they've been paying attention or like they notice something totally. about you. But there's like something, you, oh my God, yeah. absolutely. But I think that there's something about it that that's why that an intervention works for me a little bit to be like, mm-hmm. wow, these people all really care about me mm. um, in a way that I thought maybe I figured I was getting away with it because people didn't notice. Yeah. yeah. I had this, uh, I had, uh, you know, I had my own problems with like body image in in high school and then at the beginning of college I feel like I never I never I was I never took off my shirt in front of anybody until maybe like probably like my freshman or sophomore year of college and I I was just like so terrified and then I realized once <clears throat> I've I started to realize it in college because most of the time when you uh you know, you're taking off your shirt or like going to like pool things. It's like, you can kind of, I can kind of avoid them or I'm at home alone. But then when you're right. in college, it's, you're in, I was in the dorm and it's like, I can't avoid it anymore. And then suddenly like the conflict became, it, it, it peaked, you know? And I had to make this decision of like, am I going to commit even harder to like avoiding people and wearing clothes in like all the time when you don't need to, or am I, or do I have to, you know, confront this thing 
and that that was difficult like it was uh it was pretty eye-opening for me yeah yeah no it's a I think one of the weirdest things for me too is that I was like even though I had the you know type of eating disorder where I was theoretically going for a perfect body but I was also so self-conscious of my body all the time so I wouldn't want to like yeah you know wear things that showed it off or anything yeah weird brains are fascinating <laughs> things they can, <laughs> they can do yeah it's it's uh it's i mean and even like you you speak so lucidly about it and i speak so lucidly about it about mine but yeah. uh i still uh i still like if i have to go to a pool party or something i have to be like i have to go through a thing in my head where i'm like okay i have to this is okay. It's totally fine. No one cares. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like all this stuff, you know? Oh, it's still, I know. It's like, even though I'm clearly in all these stages of recovery and able mm-hmm. to speak about it as like, when, when I'm, when I've been in it, I'm not able to speak about it. Right. Cause mm-hmm. it's like, you don't really realize, but it's still, and I've talked, I've spoken to friends who've gone through either really major eating disorders also, or like disordered eating habits of any kind of thing, which is such a common, unfortunate thing and it's like it just never totally goes away there's always this little thing in the back of your head that's just a little preoccupied with like what have I eaten today what's the Mm. balance of like nutrients or calories or whatever um Mm -hmm. but my current boyfriend is a a really good cook and that's like yeah an awesome let's go yeah (laughs) no really helpful um because it makes cooking this like first of all when food tastes delicious it's better nicer to eat <laughs> but it becomes this really like also especially in quarantine right now we're staying mm-hmm. together and it's like this thing to look forward to every evening really like cooking together becomes and that's a lot of what helps me is I had an Italian exchange student in high school and then I visited her family in Italy for 10 days and just okay. seeing food like treasured and the time and like mm. fresh ingredients and what a communal like and like her family took such pride in everything they made and all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was it's like so beautiful for the first time. Mm-hmm. So in times when, I don't know, that's just always really helpful when it's like, right. Yeah. Right. Anyway. Wow. <laughs> that's such a profound place and moment to go to. Of all places. <laughs> yeah. Of all places to go. <laughs> Absolutely. Wow deal <laughs> thank you for sharing that yeah no um thank you i know i was going i was i was wondering if i would because i was going through notes i was like well that is a thing you wrote in your phone but i'm kind of airing these days with you know even posting poetry online or sharing vulnerable songs it's like yeah it's nice to share the vulnerable things and connect with people that way and then it makes those feelings less scary when you can talk about them you know Number five, this is from this past Sunday, which was March 29th, 2020. Mm-hmm. It says, Morgan, social media, Evan, art, beta, loneliness, Gigi, who counsels the counselor, who advises the advisor. So that is mm-hmm. as part of quarantine and dealing with COVID-19 and everyone's lives being turned upside down. I did a call on, on um, Instagram stories that I would write people like personalized poems about something they were dealing with right now in whatever their quarantine experience was. So those were poems I had to write on Sunday. I didn't have to, but you know, the ones that I 
had on my list that I set aside time to on Sunday to do and a little like blurb about what the person wanted their, um, their poem to be about or what, what a theme they're dealing with was. And that has been really helpful and fun and not fun is kind of the wrong word, but like (laughs) it's felt helpful in a way to feel connected. And I realize like things that people bring up that they're feeling right now or either struggling with, or some people have really celebrated certain things in this time. That's been also really lovely right? to recognize, but whatever these themes are like writing about it has helped. It's like almost selfish. Cause I'm like, yeah, I'm writing a poem for you, but it's like, Oh, I didn't even realize that I was feeling this thing too. And let me process that a little uh, bit. Okay. Like you can identify with the things that people are sending you often. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes like I wrote a couple poems for people about loneliness or about like, missing an ex or these partners and obviously like being with a partner right now is, is a pretty fortunate place to be. Yeah. Um, so, but you know, I can empathize and understand how that would feel. (laughs) I've been in (laughs) never anything exactly like this before, but you know, really miss people and things like that. Um, but video games a lot, sometimes there's like the bard class, you know, and it's like the musician. And then a lot of times the bard class is a healer and, I don't know why, like what, do you see music and art like that as, as like a healing thing? I do. I, I actually really do because, um, yeah, I mean, I, I have felt like I know when I'm sad or just looking for something, I always turn to music, to like other people's music, you know, mm-hmm. um, to help process and like going to show, going to see live music can be so cathartic and right. Yeah, there's something um, about making something specifically for someone else feels very intimate, like when they know you're doing it too, you know, not like we were talking about before, when you write a song for someone or write a poem just to process your feeling, but to be like, for someone to be that vulnerable for you and say like, okay, I trust you with this feeling Mm -hmm. and it might be very heavy or very, like people have told me some just like heartbreaking things that they're like, yes, please write a poem about it. (laughs) Yeah. I think it it does feel like therapeutic or cathartic in some kind of way. So you're like, okay, yeah, I can like see you and hold that space for you Mm. and give it back in some way that hopefully feels, I guess I've always been drawn. I have definitely always been drawn to the like interpersonal connection part of art and Mm -hmm. like the community aspect of it. But I, didn't really realize until making poems for people that I loved the, yeah, that sort of healing or like I've, I had someone told me one time that I, I wrote them a poem and they like carried it in their wallet for like a, a reminder no of way. a long time. Yeah. Which was a really big, it feels very gratifying and it's a, a like I've helped someone in some mm-hmm. kind of small way that mm-hmm. I can. Um, yeah. Yeah. You like helping out. Yeah. But it's actually, it's so funny. I just thought about this the other day when I was in high school, I saw a psychic and you know, oh, yeah. believe whatever you want to believe about psychics. Yeah. But at the time I thought I wanted to be an actor in high school and mm-hmm. which obviously we've, we've gone diverted off of that path. But <laughs> um, she was like, no, I see your career being in, in helping people like mm. being a counselor, being someone who helps people. And I just thought about that recently because at the time I was like, mm, I don't really, like, I don't want to be a doctor. I don't want to be like yeah, these yeah. sort of professional helping people jobs. But mm-hmm. look at that. Maybe she was right after all. 
Thanks for listening to Notes. Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars. It helps the show out. I will get more of you listeners to give me all of your hard-earned money. <laughs> um, I'm kidding. It's free, so I don't get any money anyway. <laughs> um, thanks for listening to the show. It was such a pleasure talking to Tally on this episode. Um, I'm really excited that this episode is finally out. And it made me... Um, I don't want to say more optimistic because I've always been optimistic about it, but like it made me really excited about doing more uh, of these episodes because of how well this one went. So, um, yeah, hope you liked it. Have a good one. Stay safe out there.